0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Father Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes and analysis. My name is Tommy and I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my dad Matt. Dad, welcome back. You we say almost always. Yes, yeah, it's almost, not always. Qu- not quite always, but uh yeah, I was I was uh incommunicado
1: as it were in the mountains uh, for music and hiking and with very spotty internet uh um connection, so I've been in the mountains. I have not actually been to the mountaintop, so I don't have really any grand vision and, you know, insight for everybody. But we'll do it. We'll do our best.
0: So it's like normal then, <laughs> right? So, so nothing has changed. We're we're back <laughs> nothing, to our nothing, regularly nothing program. Nothing has changed. Good to know. I'm glad. I'm glad we haven't we haven't gotten too big delusions of grandeur. We need to keep you from the mountaintop. Because, oh well, uh, I guess we we could still have those. I mean, they are delusions. I just
1: means they're, they're just not founded in reality.
0: <laughs> Hence the delusion. Um, but yes, so we are here today, two weeks away from training camp, from Packers training camp. Very close. We're almost there. We're recording to you uh, night of Wednesday, July 12th. And we are going to talk a little bit We're today. closer. We're getting closer. Almost there. We're getting through the doldrums of the offseason. You, you, our dear listeners, and us together, we are doing it. Um, today, we are going to talk a little bit about um, some players who are primed for regression Regression is a bit of a scary word. A lot of people usually think it means coming back down to something, but it can also mean coming back up. You know, it can be... In this case, we mean regression to the mean rather than just going backwards. Exactly. And so we're going to talk a little bit about players who had really good seasons last year that might not have been their normal level of performance and some players who had really poor seasons last year that also might not be their level of performance some players we expect to kind of take a step back possibly this season if last year was a bit of an aberration from what they had done previously and then some players who we think might kind of bounce back this year if they had a poor year last year or poor statistics this year we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, pff grade which obviously not perfect but is a good all-encompassing type deal obviously it has its flaws but it's still useful in its own way talk a little bit about missed tackle percentage, talk a little bit about uh, DVOA for certain positions, um, talk a little bit about um, specifically receiving grade and rushing grade for some of the running backs. We're going to talk about all that today, um, talk about players essentially, like we said, uh, regression in those areas. Um, But first, let's talk a little bit about Packers news. We don't have a whole lot going on actually, but first, let me pitch a couple of things. I'm out of practice. Uh, So, if you like what you hear today, come give us we're, a call. Pol- we're get, we're we're not
1: even in training camp ourselves yet, listeners. No, so no, this things is- might be a little bit uh, <laughs> a little
0: bit rough. This is the warm up, um, but yes. So if you like what you hear here today. Come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, uh, pieces of Packers news, etc., etc., etc. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Titletown, come give us a follow there. Once again, it's at FatherSonPacker. You can also find us on all podcast platforms: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. You can find us there. Um, You can find us on YouTube, so come give us a follow on those platforms. Or on YouTube, we post all our episodes on YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe to us on YouTube, it would really help us out. It would really help our numbers. Um, But yeah, so those are all of the pitches. Um, But let's also talk a little bit about Packers news. And uh, not a whole lot going on this time of year. Uh, I think the two biggest pieces of news... um, One is not really Packers related, but is pseudo-Packers related. And that is that... The Jets are going to be on hard knocks, Dad, which means Aaron Rodgers is going to be on hard knocks, which right. you know is going to be. Uh, I, I it think might that's be a, enter- t- might be entertaining for Packers fans. I think it's a great choice for the NFL. Honestly, I think that's like a no brainer. I don't
1: see what other choice they had with this on the table.
0: Yeah, well, they could have made the wrong choice. I guess is the other choice on the table because this is clearly I the right choice put in my that, opinion. Could that,
1: couldn't put that past them.
0: But here is the thing: is like I think it's just going to be entertaining as all hell. I mean, you got. You got the biggest media market. You got Rodgers in a new place. You got you got Hack. Hackett's always entertaining. I love I love watching Hackett talk. He's he's funny. Um, I just think it's going to be very interesting. That's just a kind of pseudo adjacent piece of Packers news. And then the other thing is that the Athletic recently did a five part uh, podcast series called "The Play Callers" on the kind of modern Kyle Shanahan tree. Um, I'm just started it. I'm like one part in. Uh, and uh, four more to go. Right, um, and so that
1: that tree includes
0: includes Kyle Shanahan, Shan. Sean McVay, Matt Lafleur, Mike McDaniel. Uh, and I believe those are the four main ones that they focus on throughout it. But, um, a couple little nuggets uh, from Matt Lafleur in it. Um, Justice Mosqueda compiled all of these on Acme Packing Company, but they're all also in uh, that podcast series as well. Um, I think the the funniest the Uh, Do you want the funny piece of news first, Dad, or do you want the real piece of news first?
1: Uh, Let's start with the funny piece of the the, the funny bit.
0: Well, the funny bit is apparently when all of these – so all four of these um, coaches work together with the Texans – during oh i shoot i forget which year it was but the funny piece of news is the rest of the texans coaching staff called them the piss boys which is just the one of the best nicknames i've ever heard they later rebranded to the fun bunch when they were with washington but you know a rebrand's just a rebrand i mean it's like p diddy and puff daddy i mean we everyone <laughs> still knows you're the piss boys um yes well, which adds maybe new context for your piss running hot that's a good point um <laughs> Have you which which Lafleur likes to say. Have you ever had a nickname of of such vulgar such vulgar sources? Or was are we not sharing those? <laughs> but anyway, I won't so- share
1: what my nickname was. You know, before first grade.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> well, that's the silly piece of news. The more interesting piece of news is that it was um, reported by the um, essentially the person that was doing this uh, podcast series. Uh, last name Rodrigue, I forget the first name right now, um, of The Athletic, that uh, Lafleur was reportedly working through clips of the Niners, Dolphins, and Chiefs offenses this offseason. He has said in the past that he is 100% about taking ideas from other offenses and trying to incorporate them in. I think he said that every week he has people essentially look at what were like, I think at the time the wording he used was like the coolest plays from that week, and then Bringing them to essentially the Packers' offensive staff and being like, "Hey, how do, like do we think we can incorporate this stuff?" And I think it's always a great thing to be trying to take stuff from the best. Um, Dad, I think I think that's exciting. What do you have any thoughts on it? I think
1: that's exciting. That's an exciting group of offenses to borrow from, based on well, for the Chiefs multiple years and the Dolphins last year, and then the Niners with the way, is, especially if the Packers are going to lean on the running game um to look at what the Niners have been doing.
0: Yeah, and I I think, you know, with the way the the Packers I think you could say running game was a bit disappointing last year, it could definitely help them to incorporate some some new ideas and no one runs the ball better than Shanahan and McDaniel is Yeah. It's like it doesn't matter who they plug in there in the backfield. Nope. Doesn't matter at all. Doesn't matter if their offensive line is kind of mediocre, doesn't matter if the running backs are mediocre, doesn't doesn't seem to matter at all. They're always just running the ball. Um, and then McDaniel, obviously you got that great vertical passing attack with the dolphins, but he's, he's a big running game guy too. Uh, he was a run game coordinator with the Niners before he was the head coach of the dolphins. Uh, and then you got Andy Reed, who's just Andy Reed. I mean, he knows more about football than maybe any more about offensive football, at least than maybe anyone. Um, and always seems to be picking up something new and he's just, he's that guy. And there's a reason he's got multiple Super Bowls with the chiefs now. And, Obviously, one of those reasons is Patrick Mahomes. Well, I guess but... <laughs> one of those reasons,
1: I think, is Patrick Mahomes.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean, obviously. But also, you know, I I think, you know, you, Reed sometimes doesn't get an, quite enough credit, I think, because um, people give it all to Mahomes, and it's kind of a bit LaFleur-like. People people don't give LaFleur uh, as much credit just because he's only worked with Rodgers. Um, but we're going to see this year, and I think like it's great jumping-off point to be trying to take some more stuff from these uh, other offenses in areas where the Packers can improve, because I think, you know, the downfield passing game was... Left some something to be desired at times last year. Besides Christian Watson go balls and uh, performative deep balls. As uh, have you have you heard this? The performative deep balls thing
1: is that when you just heave it to somebody in double coverage with the no hope of, of
0: uh, being yeah, depleted. It's what the athletic football show uh, Robert Mays and uh, Nate Tice called uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers like fourth and two or third and third and eight third and, eight, and like, third and third and five.
1: It's two. the third and two that's the uh, that's the real irritating. Yeah, one. it was
0: just like it just. Five, like drop, drop, hit the back Yuck foot, it. hit the back foot, and instantly throw it as hard as you can down the sideline. Um, I love those, my favorite thing. But anyway, uh, so improvement, uh, downfield passing. I think taking that some of that from the Dolphins and Chiefs. Obviously, it's easier for the Dolphins when you have th- that level of speed on the field with yes. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. It's not really replicable. Although you know, and, Christian and speed Watson, the Packers have not had the last couple of years, and now they have a lot more of. I was going to say Christian Watson might be. He might be as fast as them, but like at least at a full sprint. Uh probably doesn't accelerate quite as fast as them. Um and then yeah, running game stuff from the Niners. But yeah, those are the two big pieces of news. Not a whole lot going on this time of year. Um the only other thing I saw was that Aaron Jones was advancing in a celebrity um uh goodness, what was it? A celebrity cornhole tournament. Oh, was, I was this the one. only other thing that Is i Is this saw. back in texas or where or, it must uh, have been, i would imagine um although you know that yeah. some places uh call it bags i have not heard they that just before. they just
1: call it bags yeah. don't call we it actually corners. had a little little cornhole uh set we brought with us camping Ah, nice we have a little little portable mini mini cornhole set that i had set up at our campsite uh um oh, yeah. last week
0: but the Speaking fact of. that that is that is third on the list of Packers news items uh, this past <laughs> we week. We are going deep for news. We're talking about coral tournaments. But pretty much that's that's all you need to know. Um, so let's move on to the meat and potatoes, as we always like to say, which is meat talking about these potatoes. players that we good Sherlock Holmes reference. Um, Robert Downey Jr. That is not BBC. Um. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about these uh, players that we think... Well, we have players to talk about. We also have the team as a whole to talk about. Um, and we're going to start on the defensive side. And we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, I would say we have a good amount more defensive players that we expect to regress one way or the other this year. And I think that's kind of indicative of... How we feel about the defense as a whole is like we're hoping it bounces back because there was some not so good stuff last year, and it was. I think the biggest disappointing thing, and and and
1: to almost everybody.
0: Yes, and I think the biggest including thing, including Joe Barry. It's like
1: I don't know how this happened.
0: I would hope <laughs> we, he can. We, I would. We have to find the man who's responsible for this. Yes, the hot Tim Robinson hot dog meme. Um, I would hope by now he's figured it out, but I think one of the biggest um. Okay, I'm going to phrase it like this. I think one of the biggest positives when Joe Barry came in two years ago was that they immediately became one of the best tackling teams in the league. And then last year, they really fell off of a cliff. Um, And so this is the first area of regression that we're looking at, hopefully in a positive manner. And that is that last year, so two years ago, they had a missed tackle percentage of 9.73%. And then last year, they had a missed tackle percentage of 11.46%. Um, yeah, 2% it, it, is a good amount in this in this case. Um, the, so here's my question, Dad. So they were really good first year with Joe Barry, and then they kind of fell off a cliff this past year with Joe Barry. The two years under Petten before that were not particularly good Were either. even worse.
1: I mean, they fell off a cliff, and it still didn't get to as bad
0: as the tackling percentage was under petten. Well, that's why one reason... I, I Well, that's why I have a question here. And it's that you so you had this as one of your um areas of regression, you hoping to get better Pos- at tackling this looking for positive regression. Looking yes. for positive regression, getting better at tackling this year. You I you could make the argument, and I'll make the argument as devil's advocate that that last year was the outlier. Hey, you took the words out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> yes, it could be that last year it could be that at the beginning of last year I'm um, sorry, that, that 2021 was the outlier. That at the beginning of last year, we could have looked at the numbers here and said, oh man, they're going to get worse at tackling again this year because they just had their like best in, I don't know how many, I didn't go back further years, so they only won, went four for the whole team.
0: I mean, if I remember correctly, they were like second in the league. In, like, they were really good. Right. And this
1: yeah. and one reason I wanted to bring this particular point up is I've heard a lot of people talk in the offseason about how bad the Packers were at tackling last year and how can we see a future of them being better? It's like, well, just... The year before, they had been really good. And don't you remember when Barry first came on board? There are all these stories about how he's like emphasizing tackling, and tackling the donut himself, and diving to show people how he wanted it done. And it seemed to work.
0: And yep. so, and, and the thing is, it's like you look at the year by year though, and you see twelve percent miss tackle rate, twelve and a half percent miss tackle rate, nine point seven percent miss tackle rate. Great. 11.5% miss tackle rate. And you're like, one of these things well, is not does. like the others. <laughs> one of these things just doesn't just belong. Doesn't and it is the good one, uh, I'm going to say. Um, and so to me, it's like you you could say like, hey, they were good first-year under Barry. They were bad second-year under Barry. You know, hopefully they kind of even out and hit somewhere in the middle there and they kind of bounce back a little bit. You could also say, hey, they were bad two years, they were good one year, and then they were bad again. It's like maybe, you know. Maybe if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, maybe it's a duck. Um, I don't know. It's kind of difficult to tell because also those two years before, different middle linebacker group, um, much worse middle linebacker group. And so right was linebackers it, it, making the majority of the tackles on the team. But at the same time, hey. Usually like, like
1: linebackers and you get a lot of tackles from linebackers and then sometimes safeties. And I was going to say sol- saf-
0: safeties is the next position group, but we're losing our best tackler in the safety room. So it's like. It's there, there's something there. But anyway, that's kind of the first one we wanted to talk about. If if you're an optimist, you could say they're going to regress positively there. If you're not an optimist, you could say they regress positively two years. <laughs> they they well, regress negatively They negatively, last back, year. They negatively back to the mean yet. Yeah, yes. But the um, next uh, group to talk about is the safeties. And the first one we want to talk about is Savage. Dad, you want to take this one away?
1: Yeah. So look at Savage's numbers over the last years. So last year, his PFF grade was a putrid. Forty-seven point five. I mean, well below
0: average. You don't need PFF grade to know he played poorly. (laughs) I mean, he got benched. Like it it is what it is. Right. So the
1: average for for the average um, NFL safety is sixty. So he was well below average. So not even like below average for like a starter or a first round pick. Just bad. But so, and then the year before he was fifty-eight point five, which still isn't great. But was a lot better.
0: I'll take and the pre- 58 and a half when the... Yeah, it was, it's looking 47. good now.
1: Um, and then and then before that, he was 75.3 and 67.1. So significantly better, especially. And remember, like at the end of that second year, yeah. which was under Pettin in the second year, it's like, he's looking like he could be turning into a
0: star. Well, I mean, the game that I remember is the one against the Eagles, Jalen like first like real action, I feel like, if I remember correctly, in the league. And Savage had this awesome diving pick um, on the uh, right side, so- kind of like right hash, um, where Her- like Hertz thought he could get it in, and Savage just dove like two whole yards. Um, although now that I'm thinking about it, no, yeah, that would have been his second year. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that year, because last year was Hertz's second year as a starter, two years was Hertz's first year as a starter the math the math is mathing, I think for me the like math that the math been, is adding up that would have been the that's the game that stands out to me as like that's like the best I've seen savage play is that eagles game
1: yeah uh, so but even if those two previous years twenty twenty and twenty nineteen were because it was under patentent in a different system and he was so much better, I still think there's room for positive regression to him just to get back to twenty twenty one
0: yeah. And the thing is, it would be a big boon for it would be a big boon for them if he could just get back to average because they he's their most experienced safety now. And they they need him to at least be passable because they can't afford for their best safety to be that bad. And I don't think he would be their best safety, I would hope <laughs> if he's that, if bad. He was that bad. But I think most talented safety, I guess, is the is what I mean yeah. to say. And and for him, it's like it's kind of make a make or break time for him too, because he's going into that. He's fifth playing. Year. He's
1: playing for money now. This is yeah, his fifth year. Exactly. He, his his contract runs out after this year, so to play, he's going to be playing on a new contract somewhere next year. And how much that contract is is going to depend on what he shows this year.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, it's like wherever, wherever talk, that is, they have talked a bit about trying to get him back into that role that had him have so much success in his first and second years i mean you remember first year they were they were raving about him they were they were saying no one had picked up the playbook as fast as he did uh under Peyton and he started
1: from week one it's yeah like one of the and rare doing... rookies and they've was... had sta- they've had star players as rookies they didn't start a week one like like jair or um elton didn't start week one the the yep. first week of the rookie year
0: yep tj no sorry not tj lang um who, goodness, what is his name? The guard that started for the Packers that year. Lang Taylor? Yes, yes. I wanted to say TJ Lang, uh, and
1: I knew it wasn't right, and it was, was kind of like, close. Let's just mash them together into TJ Lang Taylor.
0: It, it's kind of close. You know, you can see how that could get stuck in my brain. It's one of those things where it's just like, don't think about zebras. Um, right. Once it's
1: in your brain, you it, it's, it, it, it's it blocks the, the real word.
0: Yes, but we are getting a little off topic here as we are want to do. Let's talk a little, because I think what we essentially come down to is that they were really high on Savage. We have seen Savage play well in the NFL. We know he can do it. It's just about doing it in this role or changing the role so that he, he plays better. Like, or that it's a role that he's more comfortable in, I guess. And obviously, he can do a lot to help that too by not gambling as much, by actually tackling people. Because I think that's like the biggest thing for me for him is that he just it just throws a shoulder at guys and just doesn't wrap up sometimes. Or he takes yeah. bad angles, which he's done since he was a rookie. And like, you know, no perfect play. Yes,
1: there was, yes, there was. I remember some I mean, plays. The Dalvin, a bad, the Dalvin it's it's Cook, uh, Cook comes run.
0: flying in and, uh,
1: Not in balance to, uh, yeah, but so, so but but we, even if they don't put him back in his optimal role, I think we can still
0: get back to average. A reasonable
1: amount of hope that that he'll be better than last year,
0: yes. But let's move along here. The next player we wanted to talk a bit, a little bit about, which is unfortunately going in the other direction, someone we think maybe won't be as good this year, is Rudy Ford. So, Rudy Ford is. Currently taking starting snaps next to Darnell Savage in all mini camps and training. Like every every single time the Packers have put their starting defense on the field, Rudy Ford has been next to Darnell Savage. Ford last year had a PFF grade of 74.6, but before that, he had PFF grades of 57.7, 51.8, uh, which was in small sample size, um, blank, and then 42.1. Um, and so last year was by far the best season of his career, um, but it was. Kind of bolstered by having three really good games against the Cowboys, Eagles, and Vikings, and it's not that those da- games shouldn't count. I mean, he played well in them. He had two picks against the Cowboys, but it's kind of one of those things where if you're really your your grades getting pulled up by having like just three outstanding performances, is that something that's sustainable to the next year? I'm not sure. We do expect him to be better at tackling next year. He went from having uh. 5.9% missed tackle rate to a 13.3% missed tackle rate. So something was in the water in Green Bay last year. Um, right. I mean, that's the thing that
1: there's so many players who had like one of their worst tackling percentages of their careers last year, which is actually like, this is in the reverse. So he had a much better overall defensive grade with a much worse missed tackle percentage.
0: Yeah. And I, you know,
1: so I was, yeah, and I, I went back. So I dug out these numbers. And so I want to look a little more context at his career. So the last two years are the only ones where he has like a lot of snaps, over 400. And then the other ones are like, you know, 60, 80, 50, or, or even less, I think in like 20, uh, 2019. So that we didn't like, wasn't even enough to count. But one thing I did want to check is like, okay, is there hope? So if you look at the numbers overall, it looks like he could be a candidate to negative regress next year compared to how well he played but and i this is something i didn't look at when i first got the numbers his alignment is different last year compared to before that's true so it may be that they were not comparing apples to apples here um because he was used differently as as just as savage has been used differently under um barry and maybe that explains why he's not as good and won't be able to get up to that excellent level, but still could get up to a decent level. Um, Ford. For, oh, for um, I need to get this back up again. Well, while you pull it up, last I year he was. Say... F- 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 oh, i I, I got Go so. Last year, like three quarters of his of his snaps were as free safety. Um, the previous year with Jacksonville, it was more like three quarters of his snaps were in the slot, so playing a very different role. When he got that worst grade,
0: yeah, and that's that's interesting. And the the thing that was interesting to me is how poor his miss tackle rate was. When last year I felt like he was one of the only people on the team who could actually tackle, because honestly, <laughs> it looked good in comparison. Well, the thing is, it's like they put him in for Savage when they benched Savage, and I was like, finally, two safeties who can tackle.
1: Okay, then, well, you might notice that I Savage. I looked at his miss tackle, so his miss tackle rate last year was eighteen point eight.
0: Ah, okay. So it, it was, was much worse. It was much worse. Eighteen point eight.
1: Yeah, but if me, you look at his, f-
0: but one in five tackles, he could he, he miss the tackle.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, if you compare that to his other years, I didn't put him in as a positive regress- regression regression candidate because his other years are fifteen point seven, fifteen point four, and twenty point
0: six. I mean, so
1: it's kind of right on track with his career
0: yeah well but we're back to talking about savage but so ford is someone that we think you know i think that's very interesting about the alignment though because i would actually argue then that i would not necessarily label him as a candidate for so so i may
1: have been remiss in including him here without looking at a little bit more of the context which i Last right. minute, I've just looked up right now while we're in the middle of the
0: recording. So The jury will, the jury will <laughs> strike that, <laughs> ignore that last comment from the the defense. But anyway, I've been watching a lot of the Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix, so I've been using <laughs> a lot of lawyer lingo in my day-to-day life. I object. Um, the next player to talk about is, you know, we have more Tarverius more on here. I don't know if I necessarily want to talk about him because last year was such a small sample size for him. Do you want to just move on to Nixon? Sure, why don't you move on to Nixon? Okay, so moving on to Nixon. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon projected to be the Packers' starting slot corner um, to go into the year. Um, He is someone that we are actually projecting to get better next year, and this is not taking into account his kick returning because I don't know if that's getting any better because that's about as good as it can get. Um, But two years ago, uh, while playing far fewer snaps, admittedly, he had a grade of 77.4, but then last year it fell all the way down to 61.2 when he did play a lot more snaps. So you can say that, hey, just like the efficiency kind of dropped when the load came up. But, you know, I would say that you wouldn't expect it to drop quite that much all the way from like, hey, well above average all the way down to average. Like like 77.4 is actually far, well, far above average um, and then all the way down to around average. I think he'd be... A slightly above average slot corner um, would be what I would project him to be based on, like you know how we saw him with the Raiders before he was with the Packers. Um, although, albeit in limited sample size, and so he's someone that we think should be able to kind of get. I wouldn't call it a bounce back because I don't think anyone would say Nixon played necessarily bad last year, but to be better this year than he was last year. What do you think, Dad?
1: Yeah, I think there's a reasonable reasonable hope that he can be better this this year. And, and part, um, I think he can expect a little bit more consistent usage and uh, and and so preparation for playing mm-hmm. the position. That uh, I think also is a, a reason to hope for him to be better this year than last.
0: Yeah, and they're going to need him to be because you know slot position is really important. Um, and I think uh, it was Andy Herman who's uh, was expressing his excitement about seeing Nixon in more of a full time role uh, with the Packers defense, because, you know, the slot position in this scheme can be one that's used in a variety of different ways, whether it's blitzing, uh, you know, more and more teams are putting their star receivers in the slot um, and moving them around. Uh, I know, for example, like we remember when Devonte Adams was with Packers, they had him in the slot a ton. Ceedee Lamb plays a ton in the slot. Justin Jefferson plays in the slot a good amount, and so Nixon's going to be charged with covering these players because he does not really hold up outside very well. He's more of a pure slot guy, and so they're going to need him to bounce back because you know the slot is not—it's like it's not a part-time role in the NFL. The slot corner is not a part-time role in the NFL no. anymore. It's a full-time job, and they're—they're going to need him to play well.
1: Yeah, slot corner is a starter,
0: basically. Yeah, one hundred percent. Every team probably plays play, probably
1: plays more than your whatever third D tackle.
0: Yeah, nowadays, yes. The next player is Devontre Campbell, specifically with his missed tackle percentage, and we we already kind of saw this last year, Dad. Do you want to kind of talk about this a little bit? Yeah. So if we
1: look at his last year's missed tackle percentage was ten point one percent. So the previous year when his all first team All Pro was two point nine, and then. All the other years, he did have a blip of like 8.1, but like 5.9, 3.4, 5.5. So just looking at the yearly number, it looks like he should be better. But then if you look at last year on its own, over the last seven weeks of the season, so you know he got like the bad start. The last seven weeks of the season, he only had two missed tackles out of 51 attempts, so 3.9%. So for like half the season, he was already much better than he was in the first half of the season. So I think there's... That that's a, a little another bit of data supporting the fact that we expect positive regression from Devondre Campbell in his um, you know tackle success rate.
0: Yeah, and I think you know when your best or sorry, when your player who is making the most tackles is missing that many tackles, your team is not going to be a good tackling team. It just kind of and looking at him, you're like his arms are a million miles long. How is he not making every tackle? I mean, and the thing is, that's part of what. He could you could really hang his hat on, like why he got that first team All Pro nod is he, it felt like he never let a guy get past him. Uh, well, there's only
1: 2.9 percent missed yeah. tackle rate previous years, just a, just that's a few missed tackles for the whole season.
0: Crazy, and and yeah. I mean he uh, that's what earned him that first team All Pro nod is just how sure a tackler he was, and you know we saw we already saw him kind of bouncing back midway through last year. We hope he doesn't start like start kind of slow like he did last year we hope the whole defense doesn't start slow and Joe Barry said himself we don't have 10 weeks to figure this thing out like we got to hit the ground running and and the other thing I would like to say is the more that he tackles instead of missing
1: the fewer go back to the safeties
0: who will also you're saying there's a compounding factor if Campbell misses a tackle the safeties are missing a tackle and we're just adding miss tackles to this to get multiple missed tackles on the same play Oh, yeah. I'm sure we had several of those. I mean. <laughs> Alvin Kamara, anybody? Why did I, I? That wasn't with Barry, though, so I wasn't going to say it. But it wasn't, that was literally it wasn't the, with f- Barry. Was the first thing that came to mind was the Alvin Kamara play. And I'm pretty sure, didn't Tyler Lancaster, like, get him down in the end zone, like, 80 yards downfield?
1: Lancaster chased him down the entire way down the field and is right there, the closest defender as he goes into the end zone.
0: Yeah. We, you know, shout out Tyler Lancaster. Shout out Tyler Lancaster. Um, going down the list though, uh, the next player that we kind of, and this one kind of surprised me that his, his grade was so low was Hollins. um, PFF grade of just 54 last year after having kind of mid to, high, uh, mid to high sixties the last, the, the two years prior. Um, and it's interesting cause I actually thought Hollins played quite well last year. And it seems like the Packers are quite fond of him as well, because oftentimes, um, with Gary sidelined with uh rehabilitating from the, rehabbing from that um, ACL tear, um they've been having Hollins kind of start right next to him a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, and Hollins was a little better for the Packers than he was for the Rams. So the so the Rams stint pulled his overall yearly grade down, though it wasn't like um incredibly different, though the individual breakdowns like his run defense was slightly better his pass rush was was a little better his tackling was signific was significantly better for the packers basically in every aspect of the of the game he was better for the packers than he was for the rams so i think it, it, what we saw watching play the packers was better than his overall
0: yearly grade and that makes sense because i think you know when you're playing with better players next to you. And like, obviously Holland's had Aaron Donald, but besides that, I was going to gonna play,
1: say, well, besides, besides the defensive player
0: of the year, besides quality one of the greatest, <laughs> besides one of the greatest defensive players of all time, you know, um, but Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like to play? I the play yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is like the rest of that Rams roster was, I think not as good as the rest of the Packers roster. Uh, I think this next one though, is one that I want to highlight because I think it is paramount that this player returns to form in this next year. And that is Kenny Clark. Because for years now, he has been the anchor of the defense. And last year was his worst year of his career by PFF grade. Worse than his rookie year, even. And you could feel it. You could feel it as the Packers defense that it was the rest of the team. I mean, you could feel the defense playing poorly. You could look at Kenny playing poorly. You could say, you know, chicken or the egg. But I think you—he was noticeably less impactful last year than he had been pretty much any other year of his career, and I—I I feel like it's fair to say that. And given the fact that they're—they lost the two guys starting next to him, maybe that's a good thing. Um, on the defensive line from last year, I think he's gonna have even more weight on his shoulders this coming year, given the inexperience next to him and they they need him to bounce back. I mean, he had a PFF grade of 66.4 last year after being around 75, 74, 80, 90, 87, the five years like running up to that year. And it's they they need him. They need him badly, Dad. That's all I have to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing you could tell is that like, the year that, I think it was 2020, he had like, the groin pull for the first half of the year, and he wasn't playing quite as well. The whole defense around him didn't play as well. Z wasn't as good. Preston wasn't as good. The other players next to him be- depended on what he was doing on the field to play optimally, I-, I-, I think. So one thing, you look at this where that was like you know, the worst grade of his career and far worse than anything besides his rookie year. Now maybe you want to make the argument that those like high 80s and 90s are less likely to be attainable. This many years past. but I think it's very reasonable to expect him to be back in like the mid seventies, like he had been, mid to upper seventies for the last the previous three years, um, and that he I think there's a decent chance that he gets back to that again. Yeah, and the thing is, it's
0: just like, I I can't, I really can't remember, like a Kenny play from last year. Like like one does not particularly come to mind like a real splash play when i think and and i can think of them in in years prior i mean like feasting on uh yeah on garrett bradbury just just destroying garrett bradbury anytime we played the vikings and it's just like i I just can't think of like a standout performance from last year when i kind of like off the top of my head usually i can i can think of a play or two i can think of a whole game i mean I just i off the top of my head, it's like the um, and I'm trying to remember if it was, I think it was even two years ago that he had that um those two sacks against Justin Fields, um, on a sunny like a 10 a.m. noon game, um it's 10 a.m. for us on the West Coast noon on the in the Midwest, and and I can even remember that game. I'm pretty sure it was it was not this past year. It was two years ago because for a second I thought it was last year, but yeah, it's just they they need him because he's. He's one of the stars of the defense and they rely on him for run defense and they rely on him for for pass rush and they're going to really rely on him for run defense this year because they are small along the defensive line. I mean besides I mean you got Slayton. Yes. Wyatt. I I know a lot of people are really high on Wyatt. I got to see it first because he was okay in limited snap counts, but there's a reason he couldn't get on the field last year. And like well, maybe that reason isn't his fault necessarily, maybe that and but it's been reported that the reason is they didn't like the way he defended the run. And that just adds on to the fact that Kenny's gonna have to put more of that burden on his shoulders. And the backups Which, behind Slayton and um and Wyatt are Wooden, who's like two hundred and ninety pounds, and um Carl Brooks, Brooks who's Hasn't really played D tackle before. He was an edge rusher at Bowling Green, and so and then it's Jonathan like, Ford, and then Jonathan Ford, who wasn't really active S- at all, He's built like
1: a big run stuffer.
0: Yeah, and that's that's about all. But that's but what one thing to say. you say about
1: wanted to say about like Kenny, we're talking about like the run defenses. Like the last two years under Barry are by far the two worst run defense grades of his entire career by Isn't a it- wide margin.
0: Do you have anything to say with regards to all these players who have had substantially worse grades <laughs> under Barry than they did before? I'm just curious. It seems like a pattern <laughs> that we're running into. Oh, man. You know that this they is... interviewed uh, um, Ejiro Evero for this job. And last year, the Broncos defense was one of the best in the league. Uh... Uh, that, I feel a migraine coming on. I know. I, who knows? <laughs> who knows what? Who knows what happened there? But anyway.
1: But yeah. So the other thing. Oh, I wanted to say a little bit. I was looking at. Uh, so Kenny says his two best games last year were against Tampa, and the second Minnesota game. Um, he had two sacks against Tampa and one against Minnesota, so both had like excellent grades. Um, and then he had a really rough stretch in the middle of the year. That's really where his bad games are clustered from like week seven through 12 that really, I think dragged down his overall years. Maybe something was bothering him there that we never heard about.
0: Yeah, but he was never because we talked about it at the time, and he was never on the injury report, which he was with the groin. Yeah, in the but you know, year. yeah, I know, I know. But you know, the Packers are not. Sometimes we, sometimes we don't know. The Packers will always be putting people on the injury report, like even if they were they full participants. They do throw people like, on all the time,
1: but they also never tell you <laughs> what's actually wrong with that's somebody. Your leg, <laughs> arm, lower, lower <laughs> extremity, lower extremity.
0: Um, but that's our last player on defense that we had. Uh, in terms of regression. So um, more more opportunities for positive regression than negative regression, which kind of is believable when you think about how kind of underwhelming the defense was last year, given the talent on it. Let's talk a little bit about offense, though. We have just a couple players to talk about here. And the first is Aaron Jones, who we kind of have going in both directions, Dad.
1: Yeah, though I I will say a little bit, it's... (sighs) Some of it – so we, I looked at – we looked at both PFF and DVOA from Football Outsiders since you could get this for some of the offensive players. And then, well, quarterback, there's nothing to compare to. Um, and wide receivers, there's nothing to compare to. Everybody that has one year or none, so <laughs> there's, there's no comparison to be made. So it, it – it, uh and the tight ends, there's not really much to compare to either. They're Deguara, but he was kind of the same in, in uh, like all measurements. But looking at Aaron Jones, if we look at his rushing by PFF, he had an amazing year last year, an over 90-point 90, 90 uh, grade. And his other grades are good. They're not quite as high. as like 83, 79, 81, 85, 85. And to be so clear, lots those, of good grades. Those are better than good. Those are very good grades. So, so yes, 80s. I should lots of great. And like the, the, but the 90 is, well, a little bit of an outlier. It's like five for six points more than his second best. So he might have a slight negative regression for his pass However, if you look at DVOA, this is one where you got a different story. Um, his DVOA grade was very similar last year to it was for four of his previous five years. So if you look – Using the DVOA numbers, you would not expect a negative regression
0: from from uh, Aaron Jones. You know what? So, you know what I think might be happening there. What? You know my my thought process is, and this is purely speculation. DVOA is a lot more based on like production and numbers. And but but also controlled for opponent. Controlled for opponent, yes. And then PFF grade is kind of more subjective in some ways, but looking at each play to play. I think you could argue, based on some of our other analyses that have looked at the fact that the Packers' run blocking was really bad, is that the poor run blocking of the Packers kind of opened the door for Aaron Jones to kind of catapult his rushing grade by overcoming poor surrounding circumstances, and that was what let him have that 90 grade. And the fact that his DVOA, his production, kind of relative to what the opponent allows, kind of stayed the same. Mostly just kind of makes me think it's like, hey, he was doing the same thing, but the, all of the surrounding blocking was worse, and that's why his PFF grade was so much higher last year. Perhaps it didn't but DVOA, He
1: was he was fourth best in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would for be, rushing not be, DVOA. I would not be surprised if that ninety point seven PFF grade was easily top five. I mean,
1: yeah, that's but very then high. but then other years he's been fifth, seventh, and seventh by DVOA. So yeah. he's only had one, which was actually two years ago. In 2021, where he was not in the top seven.
0: Yeah, but by overall PFF grade, we do expect him to kind of come down a little bit. But for receiving grade, we actually expect him to kind of kick back up because he was down at 64.6 last year, which was his lowest since his second year in the league. Um, And then the previous years, he was up at 72.5, 76.5, and 82.8. And so we kind of expect him to bounce back there as well. Yeah, so that's that's
1: something. You might expect a slight regression, negative regression in his running grade, but a slightly positive regression in his receiving, receiving grade.
0: Yeah, and I mean... And I, I did look feel to see like... what's
1: driving that. Uh, is it r- yards per route run? Did he have more drops? I'm not exactly sure what is driving the difference last well, year.
0: While we're talking a little bit about running back receiving grade, another player that we kind of expect to have a positive regression up is A.J. Dillon in that same receiving grade because... He was down at a fifty one um or fifty point six p f f grade for his receiving last year and was at sixty five and a half the year before and so when I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that hey, both running backs were kind of below their usual standard in catching the ball in some ways a I'm like, okay, the offense was worse, so that makes sense. You're scoring fewer receiving touchdowns because the offense is worse, your grade's not going to be as high but also I I wonder about coaching because I think you can always just bring this back to the fact that they couldn't make pony personnel work. Um, and I don't know what you think about that, but those are kind of the three things that I look at there. And the fact that both the Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, we think could have bounce back years catching the football is kind of just more of a thought of like, Hey, we think the offense as a whole could, could have a bounce back year a bit as well.
1: Yeah. And it could be that some other things like, uh, Roger's thumb, the offensive line being, you know, in flux and some might say disarray at the beginning of the year. I think it's fair to call Week One disarray with Newman and Hanson both starting. What a ridiculous, ridiculous decision. <laughs> yep, but it, it, so I would say for the for the Dill in the receiving it, that the uh, the PFF and the DVOA agree very. Um, strongly here where last year um, Dylan's DVOA receiving rank among running backs was 45th yeah. and two years ago he was sixth.
0: Yeah. And it's like, is it, is it scheme? And I, I, we were talking about this before we started recording. It's like, I think Dylan, like as a receiving back to me, or like as a, as a receiver, as a pass catcher, Goodness, three different ways to say the same thing. I'm really I'm really using my seconds here preciously. Dylan is like a pass catcher. I think he has really good hands. I have questions sometimes about like how much he's giving you with the ball in his hands without much of a running start. Because I feel like like when you're catching the ball, you're not getting as much forward momentum as you are like when you're getting the ball like handed off to you downhill. Um and it's kind of a similar Question I have as to why he was getting so many runs out of the shotgun last year because he's not getting as much, like, momentum going downhill. Got to, like, move to the side and then move forward. Um And same with pass catching. It's like, hey, you got to kind of, like, catch and then set your feet and you already got people coming down on you. Um I don't know. I don't know how much truth there is in that. It's just kind of it's, – it's just my thought that, like, hey, it, 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 he doesn't always, in my opinion – it's not always super inspiring um like in terms of making people miss I feel like if he can catch it and there's room for him he does a good job like there's that um was the play against the Rams I think last year um where they had to no uh no no it wouldn't have been last year because uh, Devonte Adams was blocking for him two years ago um where he took it like halfway down the field like he was bodying um bodying people up and down the field. Uh, and then, um, Bengals two years ago. Goodness, I'm trying to think. Last year, there's there's not one that necessarily pops to mind. And I'm rambling a little bit now, but I mean, individual play or yeah, individual play. Um, and then, yeah. but but well, my my point is more just that I I think for him, I think it matters a little more how he's touching the ball when he's catching the ball schematically. Like he he needs a little more space to catch the ball. Um, he he needs to be moving. Um. And I, as opposed to Jones, who I think can make people miss from a standstill a little more easily.
1: Yeah, a lot of times you might feel say one thing is like Dylan is kind of going to get you what's what's there as a receiver rather than make something. Though, if you compare the two years, his like catch percentage was way down last year compared to 2021, but also his yards after catch perception were also down. They're both down significantly from the year before.
0: Yeah. Moving along though, uh and wrapping up here. Um let's talk a little bit about Elton Jenkins since we're getting a little tight on time. Um we both think that his pass blocking can take a big jump this next year. And similarly to Devontre Campbell, it took a big jump halfway through last year too. Um over his first six this first six weeks of 2022, kind of when he was coming back from that ACL and also a lot of those games at right tackle. So kind of two confounding factors there. He had a a pass blocking grade of 56.25, but over the last nine weeks of 2022, that skyrocketed all the way back up to 73.4 overall for the whole year. He was at 70, uh, 67.8, sorry, and was at 81.2 the year prior. And so there is really a lot of room for Jenkins to kind of bounce back in his pass blocking And we already kind of did see him bounce back in his pass blocking with the move back to left guard with more time off the ACL. I maintain that I think if they had just let him play out at right tackle and kind of let that just situation, let him like heal and let him get used to it, I think he would have been fine, but they chose to move him back to left guard and he's great there. And we think he's going to go back to being great on a full-time basis there next year.
1: Yeah. So one thing I would just add to that, it's like in support of your notion that he probably would have been fine if they left him at left tackle, I mean, sorry, right tackle long enough to re- fully recover. His worst graded year, his worst, worst graded game of the year, was actually week seven when he had been moved already to left guard. Mm, okay. And it was only and it was only after that. And then I think it looks it like he didn't play in week eight. And then week nine and on is when he started playing better.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. It's like, I think it was just like, they were a little hasty with that decision to move him back to left guard, in my opinion, because it's like, what did you expect? He came back early from a torn ACL. Like he's a big man. Yeah. Like I think he's they, a large I, human being.
1: I think they just did, He just uh, wasn't really physically ready. And yeah. it may be that moving, you know, off, you know, pushing with that, that leg. Was harder to do on the right side before the leg was ready.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's a it it was a very difficult situation for Eldon. and I think a lot of people were far too harsh on him last year.
1: Yeah. And the other the, thing, the, I guess, the main thing I would say to that is, like, I think some people have sort of written off the notion that he could play right tackle in the future yeah.
0: because of that, and I think that's way too premature. Way too premature, especially when we've seen him play right tackle at a high level before. Last but not least so to say, or, um, well, Billy. is Royce Newman, <laughs> who we expect to kind of bounce back in a pass-blocking sense this year. Because as a rookie, he was up around average, 60.2. But then this past year, he kind of fell down a little bit to around a 55 below average. Um, I think Royce Newman does get a little too much hate. I think he is good at certain things. He's bad at other things. He can't pick up a stunt, which is oh, perhaps... Perhaps Even like
1: f- his the, the good parts of his rookie year, he still was like misdiagnosing stunts left and right. He got beat like almost every time that there was a
0: stunt. Yeah, and like he has he has really good get off. Um, he's, he's not the strongest, but it's I don't I don't think his functional play strength like it's not great, but it's he's not the worst I've seen. Um, he's pretty nimble, he's pretty agile. He can play guard and tackle, okay, not not great, but having that flexibility is nice. The The question is whether or not not being able to pick up a stunt is a fatal flaw, and if he's good enough at the rest of the stuff for him to have that flaw. But we do expect him to kind of be better in a pass-blocking role. I don't have a whole lot more to say on Newman, and we are getting a yeah. little long on time. Is there anything you and, want to add there, or should we wrap up?
1: Yeah, and we don't know how much Newman is even going to play this year if uh, the, the Lions stay his health, because he's hopefully no higher than 7th on the depth chart. He's hopefully- not even the- Hopefully not much. He's not even the the next man up from behind the starting five. It's going to be, you know, he, he's maybe seventh.
0: You could argue he'd be next up at right guard. Nah. Who do you think would be next up at right guard? Tom and nine minute. guard and nine minute tackle. Yeah, fair enough. They just shifted around. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but so hopefully we won't see too much of him. But offensive line, you know, it's better to have depth than to not have it. And I think, you know, as a seventh man, it's a fine seventh man to have. He's played NFL snaps, which is more than a lot of seventh players can say. But anyway, that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, like we said earlier, come subscribe. Come follow us on Twitter while it still exists as a platform at Father Packer. Come subscribe to us wherever you can find podcast platforms or on YouTube. It would really help our numbers. We'll be doing an episode a week until the start of the season when we'll go back to doing two episodes a week. We're going to be kind of just previewing the season, and then once training camp starts in two weeks, almost there, we're going to be talking a lot about the position battles going on there and predicting our 53s, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much for listening, though, dear listeners. We look forward to talking to you next week. And until next time, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.